uh, from time to time to keep our mission focus will be in the book of Joshua because here we see how God's people took a physical kingdom. They're, they're taking the kingdom of heaven and in that there's gonna be some spiritual principles, some devotional application that we can take that will instruct us on how we're gonna take souls for the kingdom of God, how we're gonna build a spiritual kingdom. And so from time to time we'll be in the book of Joshua over this next year. Father, we come to you right now giving you praise. God, thank you so much for the privilege to be able to worship together, to sing praises to you, to give thanks to you, to be able to enter into your courts this way. Uh, Lord, we don't wanna take for granted the freedom and the liberty that you've given us. Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, we pray that it continues. Uh, Lord, let nothing hinder the ministry of the word and the work of the word in the lives of people. And so this morning, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to be consecrated. Lord, what we'll see in Joshua chapter one, Lord, I pray that it would help us to remember, to keep our priorities, your priorities, to keep ourselves living the consecrated life. And so, Father, I'm asking that you'd open our understanding. Lord, we don't wanna be guilty of just being hearers of the word, we wanna be doers. And so, God, uh, meet with us. Show us your word. Give us insight in how we individually, but also corporately, can live it out uh, uh, as your people in this place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna be in Joshua chapter one, verses 12 through eight, and I just wanna tell you, according to your faith, be it unto you. If you come to the word of God passively, and you're just gonna hear a message, if you come to the word of God not expecting to hear from God, guess what? you're just gonna hear some information this morning and it's not gonna do anything in terms of the impact or the trajectory of your life. But if you come full of faith that God's gonna speak to you, that God's gonna deal with your heart, guess what? You are about to get your mind blown. Okay, so, according to your faith, be it unto you. Joshua chapter one, we're in verses 12 through 18. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass over, right? Ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, to help them until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return into the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. So on the east side of Jordan. And they answered Joshua saying, all that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go, According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. And so this morning I want us to see from these verses, 12 through 18, a devotional application, spiritual insight, and the question is this, what will it require of us in order for us to take kingdom territory today? 
What's gonna be required of us? And so the first thing I want us to get from this passage is our need to understand that whatever personal blessings we have or whatever personal priorities we've been given, those cannot get in the way. They must not hinder the Lord's agenda. In other words, whatever the Lord's got going on, it's bigger than what we've got going on, amen? God's plans, God's agenda are bigger and must have the preeminence over our plans, our agenda. So in verses 12 through 15, what Joshua's doing is he's reminding them of the promises that they made to to Moses and to the rest of God's people, um, really promises that they've made to the Lord. He's saying to them, don't forget the word which Moses commanded you. Yes, you can have this land on the east side before we cross over into the promised land. Yes, you know, the, the Reubenites and the Gadites, Uh, They did well in Egypt. The land of Goshen was especially good to them. It was a land that was profitable for cattle. And so Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they, they were very effective. And so they had a lot of cattle. And they get to this land and it's good for cattle and Man, what are they going to do? Like, man, this is this is exactly what we Moses, can we have it? So he's reminding them that yes, you can you can make a space for your blessings. You can make a space for your families. It is a place of blessing for you, but you don't get to stop You don't get to quit the mission that God has for all of his people. In other words, you don't get to enjoy your rest until everyone has entered into their rest. How many know where we're going this morning? We don't get to quit the labor. We don't get to quit the work until everyone is in. There is a rest that God has given us, isn't there? But there is a work that must be done because God is willing that every right? Everyone would be born again. God's not willing that any would perish, that all would be saved. And so we don't get to sit on our blessings until the work is finished. That's what I'm trusting we'll see this morning. So Joshua, he's reminding, he's exhorting his brethren. Why does he do that? Well, because everybody needs to be reminded of their commitments. Everybody needs to be reminded of the consecration that must exist in their life. Everybody has to be reminded of what their true priorities are. In 1 Timothy chapter four and verse six, Paul tells Timothy, you have to remind the brethren of the important things. And he says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. If you'll remind people of what they ought to know, then you're doing a good job as a leader. Peter knew that, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he tells the church, he says, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them. I know you know these things, and I know you've made decisions, but you need to, re- you need to be reminded of your commitments, of your priorities. You need to be reminded what the word of the Lord is over your life. So I'm gonna put you in remembrance, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. So Joshua here is being a good leader. He's being a good minister. He doesn't take for granted that God's people are gonna keep their commitments. And so he's reminding them of the work, of the priorities that they're supposed to have. And so also today, we need to do the same thing. We need to be reminded of our priorities. In 2 Timothy chapter four and verse two, Paul tells Timothy, 
to continue in this ministry. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Here it is, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Why God's people have to be reminded. We need that accountability in our lives. This is why the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that we should be considerate of one another. We have this responsibility to one another. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. How do we do that? Well, we gotta come together. Verse 25 tells us the best way to do that, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves, the assembling of ourselves together. Some do that, other people do that, as the manner of some is, but that's not us. What we do is we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Instead, we come together and exhort one another, and so much the more, as you see, that, as you see the day approaching, what day? The day of Christ's return. And isn't it interesting that here we are living in the last days before Christ's return, and there's never been a greater push for the church to just stay home. <laughs> and I get it, man, COVID, it's real, and it claims life. So do car accidents, so does heart disease, so does type two diabetes. There's a lot of things that will claim life. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, why? Because we need accountability, we need encouragement, we need to provoke one another unto love and to good works. Hey brother, hey sister, what the Bible says over our life, let's go get it, let's go do it. And I get it, okay, so this is, in one sense, a stewardship issue. I've said this before, I'll keep saying it. There are, you gotta think as a steward. So if you're at home, you're sheltering in place, you've got comorbidities, there are issues, you, you, you just gotta ask yourself the question, okay, what am I gonna do with my life? And uh, maybe I got five, 10 more good years or whatever. <laughs> uh, if I can just hold out for a few more months once, uh, once statistically, I've got a greater chance of dying on my way to church than dying of COVID. Well then, okay, so maybe that's a stewardship issue where you say, I'm gonna shelter in place, but do not get disconnected, right? Stay connected to your Bible study, stay connected with your fellowship. Uh, let's keep provoking one another to love and good works. But you know for a fact that does not work as well as coming together and getting face to face and provoking one another to love and to good works. We've got, this is what I appreciate about, about Jana. Uh, you know, she's in her 70s, and she's, she's got health issues, and she says, ah, man, I'm gonna be here if it kills me, you know? I, 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 I've, I've wasted so much of my life living it for myself, no more. I wanna live it serving the Lord Jesus Christ with Christ's people. I know this, um, if I'm at the end of my life, and I know I don't have much time left. I know I don't want to die alone. I know that. I, don't, I know I don't want to die separated from my, I want to be with my family. Hello, somebody. I want to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to be with my wife and my children. I've said it this way before. I'd rather get COVID than waste my life. Well, here we go. Yeah, uh, anybody that wants to uh, flush with antibodies, um, probably getting into my airspace might be healthy. I don't know. I don't know how that thing works. I'm not a doctor, but uh, anyway. I'd rather get COVID than waste my life. Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. Um, 
other people, that's what they do, not us, exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't let anything hinder you from being a part of what God is doing with his people. And it's more than that, right? It's not, I mean, I pick on COVID because that's really easy right now, but come on, can I just tell you, man, so many of God's people, they've built their houses and their lands and their projects and their, 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 their sports ministries and the agendas of the, 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 that the world has put in place over their life and everything is crowded out, the work of the Lord. Everything, the blessings in their life has crowded out the work of the Lord. You know, we live in a nation where the poorest of the poor here live extravagantly, live like kings compared to the rest of the world. I can take you with me to Malawi this year and show you people who literally live in dirt. Dirt floors, dirt walls, dirt packing the roof. When it rains, mud comes down into the house and that's how they live. You live like kings. Okay, so you're rich and increased with goods. Is that the, I mean, I'm talking to Reuben and Gad, man. Uh, you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. You have been blessed with physical blessings. Is that getting in the way of you serving with this body to win souls and take kingdom territory for the Lord Jesus Christ? See, here's the backstory. Turn to Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32. When you get it, say, I got it. Man, it's slow. With the digital life, people don't know how to find stuff in their Bibles anymore. You you got it? Numbers 32, look at verse one. Okay, so here are the children of Gad and Reuben. Okay, so they have a very great multitude of cattle. So they're very blessed. They got a lot of stuff. And they see the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead and, and it's a place for cattle. So they come to Moses and they say, this is a great place for our stuff. I think we'll be blessed here. And so they said, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land, verse five, be given unto thy servants for a, prese- for a possession and bring us not over jo- Jordan. And then Moses chews them out. So he says to the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, and shall you sit here? Wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Uh, You're gonna set on your blessings, count your blessings, and name them one by one, but you're not actually engaged in the mission that God gave us as his people. You see that? So you're gonna discourage the heart of your brethren. And then he compares them to these wicked men 40 years ago, thus did your father, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land, so they go, they spy out the land, 12 guys were sent, 10 of them come back with an evil report and caused the heart of the people to melt. And so the people did evil in the sight of the Lord and they were consumed. And now look at verse 14, he says, and now you're just, you're just <laughs> repeating history. You're just doing the same old wicked thing. Verse 14, now behold, you're risen up in your father's stead an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. You're just gonna keep stoking. You're gonna cause people to grow weary and well-doing. They're gonna faint because you quit the mission. It's gonna encourage them to quit the mission and then God's gonna have to deal with us and we're gonna be consumed. You're gonna augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if you turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness and ye shall destroy all this people. And so, 
you know, Gad and Reuben's like, oh, 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 you got us all wrong. So they draw near, they implore Moses as a father. He's their elder. So they come to him and they say, hey, we're gonna build a place for our cattle and our little ones here, but we won't dwell in this land until everyone is dwelling in their promised land. Look at this. We will not return to our houses, verse 18, until the children of Israel inherited every man his inheritance. We will not inherit with them on the yonder side of Jordan or forward because our, inhel- our inheritance has fallen to us on the side, this side, Jordan, eastward. So Moses, uh, you know, he's reasonable. He responds to this, verse 20. He says unto them, if you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him and the land be subdued, before the Lord, then afterward ye shall return, be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. So if you'll do what you're saying, then that's good. That's exactly what will happen, but look at verse 23. But if you will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. So go ahead, build your cities, do that. You've got the blessing in this land, but do not fail to keep the commitment. Look at verse 31. So children, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, they reply, okay, as the Lord hath said unto thy servants, so will we do. We will not enter into our rest. We will not finish the work. We will not stop engaging to take kingdom territory. We're not gonna enjoy our rest until everyone enters into the rest. Until everybody enters into the promises of God, we've got a work to do. You see where we're going? We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings, right? Just like Reuben and Gad, they had already entered into their rest. They've already been blessed with kingdom territory. So the question on the floor with, with Joshua was this, will you guys remain committed to the mission? Will you stay engaged? Well, the same question is on the floor this morning. So also the believer today. You have been so blessed. You have entered into a rest. Christ in his finished work at Calvary has made a place for you in the person of Christ before the Lord. Man, how awesome it is to call God our Father, Christ our Lord and Savior, to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in our heart. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Okay, you're just gonna sit on your tail and waste your life enjoying the life that God's given you when people are dying in their sin and going to hell? We don't get to finish the work until everyone is entered into the rest. Amen? Is this making sense? Will you remain consecrated to the mission? That's the question. You've got a kingdom place. You're alive in Christ. You have a father. You are set like a vet. Romans chapter six, verse three says, man, you've been baptized, you've been buried with Christ into his death, and you're risen in his life. Watch this now, verse four. Therefore we are buried with him, with Christ by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. You, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if Christ is your sin bearer, if your faith and trust is in the finished work of Christ at Calvary, Guess what, you are born again, you are a child of God, you are walking in newness of life. You are very, you're very blessed. Now what are you gonna do with that blessing? Live your life for yourself, waste it? Walking through a life 
in this world, pursuing a life for yourself in this world, or will you stay engaged in taking kingdom territory? See, now we get to live, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 describes what the believer does with his life. Okay, charge them that are rich in this world. Again, you are so rich in this world. Well, pastor, I only make, you know, 12 bucks an hour. Well, they make $1 a day in Malawi. Okay, you have been given so many wonderful blessings. So here it is, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. What do you do with your spiritual blessings? Just sit around and waste your life living it for yourself? No, charge them that they do good, that they that be rich in good works uh, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. First Corinthians 4 describes it this way. If you're saved, if you're born again, God views you as one of his ministers. You have responsibility in his kingdom. He uh, calls us ministers of Christ, so we need to reckon it to be true. Verse one says, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So here's the key, okay? You've been given this wonderful life in Christ, just like Gad and Reuben, you've been blessed with these wonderful spiritual blessings. Now are you gonna live your life for yourself? Or will you engage with us in the Lord's priorities? Because whatever God is doing, it's far more important than anything any one of us is doing. You know, in Romans 6.3, we saw we're walking in newness of life. Well, you gotta, okay, what are you gonna do with that new life? Well, you better live verse 13. Romans 6.13, don't yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Instead, right, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 2 Corinthians 4, you see it again. Okay, you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. You're walking in newness of life. You've been raised up right, of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who you are, that's what you have. Verse 15 says, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Yes, you're very blessed, you have new life in Christ, but now you need to take up your cross and enter into the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Yes, you're blessed with all spiritual blessings. God gives you all things richly to enjoy. But now is not the time to quit on your, you know, to quit and set on your sanctified keister, enjoying the blessings of God on your life while the rest of the world is dying in their sin and going to hell. Again, the work is not finished until everyone enters into the kingdom. Hello, somebody. We don't get to quit until the Lord calls us home. So our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We're not looking at the things which are seen, we're looking at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. Yes, we're blessed here in this life, but there's so much more that God wants to do. Yes, this is, God's put you in a place that is perfect for all your cows. 
but not everybody is in the kingdom yet. So you don't get to quit. You don't get to set on your sanctified keister, counting your blessings. There's a work to do. So let me just say to my brothers and sisters at MBT, particularly to the young people, be careful of the life that you claim for yourself. Be careful of the life that you build for yourself. Is the life that you build, is it gonna fall out to God's glory or is it gonna keep you out of God's mission for your life? When I was a college pastor back years ago at KCBT, I used to tell the young people all of the time, you know, right now you have a blessing. You're nobody. You have nothing. Your whole life is in front of you. Be careful who you become. Be careful what you build. Most of the people that you know in this life are serving God with their leftovers. They're not serving God with their life. Be careful. You know, I see this all of the time. You know, young people, they come to a place where they're consecrated. They're serving the Lord with their life. And I don't know what it is. I don't know why this is. But we live in a day and age, and this is just stereotypical across the church at large, where it seems like the women are far more consecrated to the work than the men are. And, and I, don't know, I don't know all of the answers and all of the reasons. I think I have some insight into it, but, but uh, stereotypically, you'll see the women doing more of the work of the Lord in a, in a local church context. Now, we're blessed here. We've got a lot of young men who are on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me just tell you stereotypically what I've seen more times than I can count. You got some young woman who is on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. She's winning people to Christ. She's making disciples. She's helping to equip and train people for the work of the Lord. And she's, I mean, she's fruitful. And the fruit is abounding. And, and, and she's got the joy of the Lord. So, of course, she's beautiful. And, and she catches the eye of some guy. And you know what? He's faithful in church. And uh, he has all the right vocabulary. He says all of the right things. And, uh, and, you know, he says all the right things to her. And he's able to capture her heart. Now, never mind, he's not winning souls. He's not fruitful. He's not making disciples. But he's a good guy. He's, he's at all of the church functions. He's saying all the right things. He's looking and acting like this good Christian guy. And then they get married, and then you fast forward two, three, four, never more than five years, and now she's not winning souls, she's not making disciples, she's just helping him with their jet ski and taking the kids to soccer practice and soccer games on Sunday, and what a waste. Here's somebody that's on fire and fruitful and ends up, I mean, again, you get married, right? He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth the favor of the Lord. I mean, marriage is this wonderful thing, and yet, and yet that blessing pulls people out of ministry. What a waste. What a shame. Here's another way to ask the question. How many of God's people today have drifted off mission and thus discouraged the rest of us in kingdom work? Man, it hurts when you see somebody saying, you know what, the Lord, his work, the, it's not worth it. I wanna go get what I can get for myself out of this world. What a waste. How many have forgotten their promises, their commitments? I mean, they did walk well, but now they're AWOL. Let me just tell you, here's how the drift works. You've got 
Now, I, I can only warn those that are here about what will happen. The people that need to hear this, they found something else to do this morning. Uh, but it, l- let me give you the example we talked about marriage. Okay, so here's how this drift takes place. I mean, you begin well, but then you find something else to do. So you, make, you, get, you get married, you make the marriage vows, and then you forget those vows because you're not happy with who you have. They're not meeting your expectations, and so you want something or someone else because that will make you happy. I was talking about this with the Bible school students yesterday in pastoral procedures. When people get married, okay, their marriage vows put them in a covenant relationship together before the Lord. Those marriage vows are based on what the Bible describes for marriage. So, so the marriage vows look like, you know, I pledge to you, spouse, my faithfulness, and it's in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. I'm gonna be faithful to you and I'm gonna forsake all others, right? My commitment is to you and you alone until death do us part. Now, it's fashionable today. We live in a day and age where people wanna write their own vows, which I'm not against that. Um, But if those vows don't describe the biblical roles and responsibilities of the marriage partners, they're not worth anything. So you'll see people, they'll, they'll, they'll they'll write their own vows and the vows will go something like this. You make me laugh. The first time I saw you, I just couldn't stop laughing. Okay, red flag. The first time I saw you, I just couldn't stop laughing and you just make my heart so warm and fuzzy. Uh, even, even your toots are funny. Or something just cra- crazy like that. And you'll, you'll hear people say stuff like that. I promise to spend the rest of my life making you laugh. Okay, that is garbage, okay? Marriage vows are, I'm in it no matter what till we die. And that is a covenant relationship before the Lord. And the Bible warns you in Ecclesiastes, watch your mouth. Because when you make a vow and you don't fulfill it, you need to know, God says, I've heard it, and you're gonna give an account. So you're gonna stand at the judgment seat of Christ and say, well, she made me mad. She kept disappointed, she kept burning my eggs. So I threw her away and found somebody else. After she had three of my babies, everything just kind of sagged to the earth another inch and it just made me mad and so I traded her in for another hottie. What happened, liar? What happened, you worthless scoundrel? What happened until, for better, for worse, richer, poor, sickness, health, till death do us part? What happened to, it's you and you alone forsaking all others? Guess what, man, God is so good, he is such a genius. He made marriage to be such a a gift to a Bible-believing Christian. It is designed to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you know your marriage partner, warts and all? All of that dysfunction and frustration, that is, God's gonna use that to grow you up and mature you. Nobody ever got married. Okay, so this is the way the world presents it. The world sets everybody up for failure. Uh, You know, it's um, in the last service, I said, uh, Romeo and Juliet. So wait, wait, no, that didn't end out. That didn't end up well. (laughs) Okay, so it's Prince Charming and Cinderella. Okay, it's Prince Charming and Cinderella. And there was, you know, it's, it's tough kind of figure out, does he love me, does she love me? And they work all of that out and there's, there's, you know, there's difficulty. 
because uh, she's actually the, the hottest of the sisters and he is, you know, Prince Charming and everybody wants him because they want to be queen. And, and, and so they work all of that out and then this is the way the story ends. So they got married and then they lived happily ever after. Bull poop. They did not. That is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Nobody ever, oh, if I could just, oh God, if I could just marry this person, that person, and then we'll live happily ever after. No, you won't. Now, you'll, everybody begins well, right? You start out with like the marriage in Canaan. It's the good wine, and then that which is worse. Everybody puts up, a, puts forth a good earnest, forthright foot in the beginning of the relationship. You're trying to woo and win each other. And so, you know, you're not passing gas at the table. You know, you're doing, all, you're doing everything right. You're using all the right utensils for all the right functions in the meal. But, oh yeah, fast forward to year two or three and, and, your, and your swine nature starts showing. And then your spouse has a choice. Will they die to self and lay down their life loving their marriage partner. My contentment, does, it is not sourced, it is not rooted in the person of Cheryl Miles. It's sourced, it's rooted in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cheryl can be sweet to me or she can be a jerk. Now if she's a jerk to me, I gotta tell you, it's tough, but that's an opportunity for me to lay down my life loving her. Marriage will kill you. Now let me just say this for the record. My wife has a bigger cross, a heavier cross to bear in her marriage than I do, okay? I get that, I see that. But just understand, marriage, if you're gonna succeed in marriage, you're gonna die. You're gonna have to die to self, you're gonna have to die to your rights, you're gonna have to die to your expectations, and then you make the decision, will I fulfill the roles and responsibilities that God has called me to? Will I lay my life down loving this person? God designed your marriage to get you over yourself and get you to a place of humility and conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you got married and you started well and at the marriage altar you thought you were all in but you didn't count the cost and whenever that hard season came in marriage you got discouraged and so you quit. Now you're gonna upgrade. God help us. You make the marriage vows but then conveniently forget them because you're not happy with who you have. And instead of taking up your cross and being the man or the woman that God called you to be, you're looking for, you're chasing other sources of contentment. And so now you're going through life and you try and you try, and you try and you try, but you can't get no, and no, 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 hey, 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 you can't get no, no satisfaction. Let me give you another example. Remember when you got baptized, you're right over there in the tank, you got baptized, and when you're getting baptized, what you're saying to everybody is, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. You might have even sang a little bit of it. You know, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. You guys know this? Though none go with me, still I will follow. And how many people have we baptized that absolutely did turn back? 
Whenever you get baptized, you're taking that first step of obedience. What you're saying is, is I am buried with Christ in his death. I am risen in his life, and I'm doing this in obedience, this, this testimony, this, this step of obedience. It's an obedience to the Lord's command. I am a disciple of Christ. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not according to my opinions or what I think, but according to what Jesus says in his word. So it's a big statement to get baptized. And how many people start out, I've decided to follow Jesus, and now today their song is, I have decided to live my life for myself. I have decided to waste my life on myself. I have decided it's all about me. It's all about me, it's all about me, 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 me. Okay, that's so discouraging. Remember when you got baptized, you were growing in Christ, getting your mind blown by the word, learning how to live it, and then life gave you a hard season. God knew you were ready, but you got disappointed by that hard season, and the next thing you know, you're not attending, or when you are here, you're not really here, you're in the hall, ministering, you're serving but you're not attending on the word of the Lord. You're not worshiping with your brothers and sisters in Christ. By the way, MBT, beware the stairwell, the hallway hallway counselors, beware those people, those people that wanna minister to you in the stairwell or the hallway. And they're there, I'm pulling out miracle. They're there serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You just need to know, Martha's in the church will never lead you into a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that? They're never gonna invite you to come worship with them. They're not, they're not gonna invite you to come sit at the feet of the word of Christ and be built up. Now, when you, when, and every Martha that started here, it was all about, man, knowing and living and following the word of Christ. And then, And then, right, the blessings in their life got in the way of their consecration to Christ. Next thing you know, they're wandering and wondering, where is the blessing? Where is the joy? Where is the love of God in my life? Jesus tells, I mean, he just tells us why. He's so blunt. In Revelation 2, 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Brothers and sisters, our worship services together start at 9 o'clock, 1045. On Tuesday night, they start at seven. That's when the worship starts. And I get it, okay? So you're talking, you're visiting. That first worship song, it's just really a call to worship. And so if you're in the, if you're in the lobby talking with someone and the worship starts, you don't have to immediately say, Martha, get behind me, Martha, like it's, they're the devil, you know? Punch them in the face. You're hindering my worship. No, just wrap it up. Come on in, let's worship together. Let's work to be here, adding our voice, here getting the word together, and then both from 40th and Walnut to the uttermost nations, let's take kingdom territory. People start well. Man, this is, man, look how God's blessed us here on this side of Jordan. Look at, look at what God's done in our life. And then they let their blessings keep them from the work that God's called them to. Don't fall for it. Okay, so what we're looking at this morning, what does it require of us if we're gonna take kingdom territory? Well, the first thing we gotta get is whatever blessing we have in our life, that can't get in the way of the Lord's agenda. It has to be backseat to whatever, whatever's going on in your life, that is not the same as what's going on in our life together, okay? 
What the Lord is doing is more important. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is if we're gonna take kingdom territory, it's gonna take everyone. It's gonna take everyone. In verses 16 through 17, look at the response of Reuben and Gad. And they answered Joshua saying, all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. And then watch this, verse 18. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment. If somebody's got another agenda, they've got another direction, whatever it is, uh, he shall be put to death. Okay, good news is we live in a New Testament dispensation. It's the age of grace. So we don't stone heretics. We don't stone people who do not walk as disciples of Christ. Uh, but under the law, that's what would happen. Uh, today, what we have are, are believers. They call themselves Christians. They call themselves believers, Bible believers, but really are backslidden. And the punishment for that is actually just built into the backsliding, right? That's not, that's not in the age, the dispensation of grace. It's not the church's job to beat people up because they have not matured in their relationship with Christ. Do you see that? Um, so far, I mean, MBT, what? What did we turn this year, 13 or 14? I forget. We're, we're getting up there in it. To date, zero stonings. Praise the Lord, okay. <laughs> but get what they're saying here. It takes everyone, and it takes unity. But here's the thing about unity. Unity requires submission to others. Right, we, what you command, we will do. Whatever the Bible says, we're in. Wherever you send, we're gonna go. God's calling our life, we're down. Just like we hearken to Moses, Pastor Moses, we're gonna hearken to our Bible study leader, to our discipler. See, unity requires the submission of others. And that's tough, because that means you have to subordinate, you have to submit your will, your agenda to that and you've got people that God's placed over your life, and you can, you're so now you're close to them, right? You see them, but man, they've got warts. Their feet stink. <laughs> you, see the, you see the flaws, you see, and so you'll be tempted to despise those that God's got you accountable to. In Romans chapter 13, verse one, the Bible tells us that every soul, right? Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Titus 3, verse 1. If Timothy's going to be a good minister, he has to put God's people in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates and be ready to every good work. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. The people that God's put in your life that he's made you accountable to, if they're living the word of God, well then you, 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 need to, you need to be accountable. You need to submit to that. So that's the second question on the floor. Are you with your pastor, your fellowship leader? Are you with your Bible study leader? Are you with your discipler? Are you with them in the work? Or has the life that God's blessed you with is it in the way of your service to Christ and his people? Okay, so we looked at this at Mission Focus, Joshua chapter seven. You remember Achan? Achan, along with God's people, he's taking kingdom territory. They're being blessed with the inheritance that God 
promised them and God's command was, don't touch anything. Nothing in Jericho is yours. If you take of the accursed thing, that's a problem for everyone. So Achan knows the Lord, he knows the word of the Lord, he knows God's agenda, but his agenda is more important. He doesn't submit to Joshua, he doesn't, he's not accountable to God's people. He sees the goodly garments, he sees the cash, he sees the, he sees the precious metals and he decides, you know what, I know God's will over my life, but this is more important. I know what God wants, but what I want matters more. And so forget Joshua, forget my brethren, forget God's people. I got something that I need to do right now. So he didn't take Joshua seriously, he didn't take God's word seriously, and he was removed by God. And the sad thing is, is that's a loss for everyone. Now they're down, one more soldier. He's not a part of taking the whole of God's promises. By the way, notice in verse 17, they, they make this commitment, okay? We're gonna hearken, we're gonna listen, we're gonna get accountable, and then they pray. Look at the prayer for, for Joshua. Only the Lord be with thee as he was with Moses. So pray for your pastors. Pray for your fellowship leaders. Pray for your Bible study leaders. Pray for your discipler. Uh, that's so encouraging, right? Let them know we're with you. I've learned, you know, it's, 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 let me just say to the leaders, uh, when people say that they're with you, you can't afford to be cynical at that. A lot of people will say they're with you. I've had this happen a number of times over the years where somebody will say, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm with you to the end. And then I'm thinking, ooh, I better, <laughs> I better watch out. You turn around a couple times and next thing you know, they're undermining ministry or whatever. Don't get jaded. Encourage people to continue with you in ministry because for everyone that says that and fails, there'll be, there'll be 20 more that really do have a heart to follow God and the things of God. Keep encouraging them, keep bringing them along. And even the ones that say they're with you and they just really haven't counted the cost, God's still at work in their life, right? He's gonna bring them along. And so they're, what they're doing is they're encouraging, hey, Josh, look how we're praying for you. Uh, the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. And then in verse 18, they encourage Joshua, right? Be strong and a good courage. We're with you. So encourage your discipler, encourage your Bible study leader. Encourage them to keep leading because you're following with them in ministry. Okay, so here's Gad, here's Reuben. God's blessed them already, God's already given them rest, but they don't get to quit until everyone enters into their rest. So how do you, with this rich land that God's given you on the east side of Jordan, how do you honor the Lord with the life he's blessed you with? That's really the question that you have to ask yourself. Brothers, sisters, you're so blessed. God's given you so much. What are you doing to honor the Lord with that blessing? And the second part of the question is this. How can you serve others with the blessing that you have? God, thank you so much for this great place for our cows. Thank you so much for this rich land. Thank you so much for this rest. Thank you so much for what you've given me. You've given us richly all things to enjoy. Instead of being high-minded, how can I be rich in the good works that God's called me to? How can I serve with my brothers and sisters? And so, very simply, keep your commitments to the Lord. That's what Reuben and Gad did. They kept their commitments to the Lord. And that means understanding, again, that what God is doing is far more important 
than anything we're doing in our own lives. And the life that God's given us must never get in the way of the life that God's called us to. It can never get in the way of the life that falls out to God's glory. You know, people get baptized and they go gung-ho and because they don't count the costs, they drift. And that's discouraging to God's people. So how do you stay on track? Get accountable to your brethren. Get accountable with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what God's gonna use. He's gonna use people like Joshua in your life to remind you to keep your commitment to God's people. Gad, Reuben, you made a promise 40 years ago. Or it wasn't that long ago. You made a promise, you made a promise that you were gonna not stop the work, you were not gonna stop the investment until everybody got in. That's the same call this morning. Yeah, you're saved, you got a place in heaven. You've entered into God's rest, but the work is not done until everyone enters into that rest. You know what our problem is today? We've got too many people that refuse to persevere. They don't keep their commitments. I remember whenever I came up in ministry, I was trained up in Bible school. There were a lot of people, a lot of young people that got full of faith. They were super excited. They were gonna so help them God by his grace. God was gonna use them to turn some part of the world upside down for the glory of God, and people went all over. What's been discouraging to me is I look around and I say where, the overwhelming majority of them, where are they today? You got too many people that start well but don't finish, and they quit. And the works that they start are split, they're fragmented, or not there at all. I know of situations where people who started well come to the place where they're getting through life dependent on chemicals, so bad they've lost their marriages, they've lost their children. Too many people, they don't count the cost and they let the life that God's given them get in the way of their obedience to Christ. You know, we're a lot like Lot. I don't know if you know that. But that really is, if I could describe the spirit of the church age today, it's, it's, it's really could be described with the mindset of Lot. Did you know that the Bible says that, Ro- that Lot's righteous soul was vexed by his life in Sodom? His righteous, oh, here's a picture of a, of a saved man who is basically married to the world and it's all wrong and he knows it. He's just trying to make his way in this lost world, this saved man in this wicked world, trying to build his life in Sodom, and it's vexing his righteous soul. Uh, We're a lot like Lot, and unless you purpose that you're not gonna have that mindset, you'll end up just like him. You know, in Genesis chapter 13, verse 10, the Bible says Lot lifted up his eyes toward Sodom. So he saw the life that he had now, and he's like, you know, I could have a better life with the lost world. So he pitches his tent towards Sodom, verse 12, and by the time you get to Genesis chapter 19, after already catastrophic failures, God's already shown him that there's no future in Sodom, now he's sitting in the gate at Sodom. He's part of building the kingdom of Sodom. He's one of the leaders. He He has entrenched his life in a lost world that is set for utter destruction. Well, the same thing's true in the church today. You've got people who 
their righteous soul is being vexed because they're building their life, right? They're building their life with sodomites. They're building their life with a, with a, with a, a world that is set for utter construction and it's vexing your righteous soul. That's the default position, that's the default mindset in the church today. Man, we need to be like Abraham. We need an Abrahamic mindset. That's the antidote, to have a kingdom-minded child of God walking with God, and wherever that is. Yeah, I know you've given me rest. I know you've given me a place here, but I'm not done till everyone's in. Hebrews 11, verse 10 says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. So what about us? I mean, man, that contrast could never be more clear than it is today. If you're looking right, if you're vested in the kingdoms of this world, you are set for frustration. Why are the kingdoms of this world so messed up? Well, they're set for utter destruction, and yet God's people try to find their contentment and their joy in them. You're gonna find peace and contentment in the political success of our nations? Man, it has never, there has never been more dysfunction and more tur- turmoil in politics than today. I am so glad that I'm a part, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm part of the kingdom of God. I am so glad I get to serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus for president. Hello, somebody. And his priorities are way bigger than mine. So I want to encourage you to give the whole of who you are and what God has given you in this life. Give it all to serve, working together to take souls, to make disciples for his kingdom. Keep your focus on God's kingdom. And what Gad and Reuben said to Joshua, I wanna say to you, only be strong and have a good courage. Don't draw back. Don't grow weak in faith. Don't grow weary in well-doing. God wants to use you to be a part of a soul-winning, disciple-making, leadership-equipping, sending local church. We get to be a part of something that God is using to turn the world upside down for his glory. Don't you know we have brothers and sisters winning souls, making disciples, training and equipping people in Lee Summit, in Tampa, in Boston this morning because God used you to be a part of that? Don't you know we've got brothers and sisters doing the same thing in Vietnam, in Dallas, Texas, in Denver, Colorado? I mean, this is happening all over the world. In Nairobi, Kenya, because of what God has done at 40th and Walnut, So help us, God, by his grace, can a little church in the hood rock the nations for his glory? Absolutely. What we will do in that work is determined by whether or not you're gonna be Gad and Reuben or you're gonna be Achan. Are you gonna engage or are the blessings gonna get in the way? That's the question. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters and I ask in Christ's name that Lord, Please, God, for your own glory. You're worthy. Your word says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, and that it'll all be done to your glory. And so, God, you deserve all the glory, and we just wanna ask that you would use us 
to win souls and make disciples so that those knees can bow and those tongues can confess on this side of eternity. Lord, help us not to grow weary in well-doing. Help us not to fall for the lie that, that what we've got going on in our life is more important than what you want to do through your church. Lord, we don't want to be guilty of going after some country club Christianity where everything looks beautiful and everything is in its right place. And it, Lord, we're trusting you for kind of a messy ministry because new people are coming to Christ and they're learning what it means to serve you. We're trusting you for a, a, a place of equipping. Uh, we're, we're trusting you to be a place that, that you'll use to train people up in the way, in the work, in the word of God. Lord, we wanna, we wanna be a part of something like that. And so God, I'm so grateful this morning for the concept of rededication. Lord, just like a marriage, um, people get married, they, 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 they give vows, they're consecrated, they're committed to that marriage, but, but what they commit to on their wedding day, it has to be renewed. Those vows have to be renewed every day of their life or the marriage fails. Lord, thank you for that picture because the same thing's true in my life. Uh, the decision I made to follow you as a disciple of Christ uh, all those decades ago Lord, that has to be renewed every day of my life. And so, Lord, again, before my brothers and sisters, God, I just tell you, have your way with me. Take my life and use it for your glory. Lord, again, I rededicate my life to you. What you're doing is so much more important than anything I'm doing with my life. I don't want to, in the back half of my life, waste it. Lord, you're worth being right with. Your kingdom is everything, and so God, however it will please you to use me, whatever that looks like, wherever that is, uh, Lord, I'm yours. Take my life and use it for your glory. Uh, God, I dedicate my life to you, and Lord, I pray for that same grace for every member of MBT, and for those that are new that have joined us, Lord, I pray that they would put their faith and trust in you, and that, Lord, maybe for some, for the first time in their life, they would dedicate their life into your service. Whatever that is, whatever you've given them in life, whatever career you've given them, um, Lord, they can be a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, they can be a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, they can be a housewife, they can be a construction worker. Lord, however you have blessed us, Lord, we pray that none of those blessings would get in the way of your call over our life. And so God, please right now, your God, we're your people. Have your way with us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.